good early uh, or late morning, early afternoon to you all. <coughs> um, I uh, <coughs> went to uh, the football game uh, last night, er, mid-afternoon, because it's a 3.30 game, but <coughs> and I went in there uh, cold. It was cold. It was really cold, but it was fun. Um, I had looked up the forecast the day before because it was like 60 whatever the day before, right? So I'm like, okay. So I looked up the forecast and they said 20% chance of snow, rain, whatever, whatever we, it is that we had yesterday. <laughs> so I'm like, oh, well, that's not too bad, right? <clears throat> so I packed up my things and, and, and a lot of us got in and we went out there and, and it was more than 20% chance. <laughs> <laughs> and when we got into the stadium, the seating, the, the bleachers <laughs> were sopping wet, soaking, sopping wet, right? And, and, and luckily we had our little uh, butt pads that we could sit on. Um, <clears throat> and it dawned on me that I was pretty certain that the experience was going to be a little drier, right? <laughs> Than, than what I had. So I'm going to kind of talk a little bit about our certainty in life and the things that we tell ourselves, and these notions. Um, so there's this parable that the, that the Buddha taught and said, which is in this book, um, in Thich Nhat Hanh's No Death, No Fear. And I read it, and it was perfect because I'll kind of paraphrase, but basically it was that there was this old man who <coughs> his house was burning down, and he was convinced his son was in the house, and his son passed away, which was not the case. Um, and he, there was, uh, he, he got out the remains of what he thought was his son and had them with him all the time, with him. The ashes were with him, convinced that he had lost his son. And lo and behold, at some point, his son that was actually living came to the house and said, no, hey, I'm here. And that was not acceptable to him because he knew he lost his son. He knew it. And anybody that was claiming to be, well, that's false. This is not, how can this be? So much so that the son actually left. He's like, there's nothing I can do to convince you otherwise. Sometimes our notions, our ideas that we carry is not what we think. It's just not that way. And yet we can hold on to them 
as if it were true. Now, some of you are going to the museum, the Detroit Institute of Arts today, and I, <laughs> I was sitting here prior in my meditation, and a thought crossed my mind. Van Gogh, <clears throat> he's really considered to be great artists. Is that true? The collective universe, as far as we know it, believes it to be true, except when he was alive, um, right? So when you go see the Van Gogh, you're gonna be like, oh, this is a great artist. The collective says, yes, this is a great artist. Right? It's a very subjective thing. Now, I'm inclined to agree with the collective. <laughs> But the point being is, how do we know? How, how do we really know these things? Is it really that way? Which brings me to this question. What is it that's sitting here before me, looking at me? What is it that's sitting before you, looking at you? What is truth about this? The only thing I can come up with right now is the experience the experience is the only thing that shows itself. We're experiencing it all together openly. All the rest is kind of uh, dressing. This form, eye, ears, nose, tongue, body, mind, this form certainly seems like it's here. It certainly seems permanent. But is it true? The notion of I my given name is Tim, Tim, Tim is this, Tim is that. <clears throat> My Buddhist name, Bup Wu. True? We have walked through our lives with our prejudice and our preferences certain that it's this way. Okay, that's fine. It helps us navigate. But what is it that's doing that? That's, that's the core of it. It's really the core of it. The, the first part of the Dhammapada is Buddha asking or showing what, what is this, this thinking that's creating this world that we're making. Our world comes from our thoughts, right? We create that world. Van Gogh's great. So 
experiencing the awareness of experiencing if you kind of reflect on it a little bit there's nothing to hold on to with that if it's just raw experience if it's just without any notions my son is dead you're not my son how can you be my i know without any of that experiencing for the sake of experiencing without attaching our story to it what's left what's left that's a really big space it's a big space to walk into really big not easy certainly not easy for me <clears throat> natural and appropriate that we do question our lives or what's going on how, how could I make a choice and you know like I make these waves in the in the in the fabric of my experiences within my family system within my community and with my ideas with my actions and sometimes we question that, like, oh, what did I, what did I do, right? What did I do? Or it works out. It's like, yeah, I knew it. But what it is is deeper than that. Because you're carrying the experience. the experience. I don't know what's finding out from the experience. I, I have no idea, and I'm not claiming to know. No idea. I, I question that just as much as anybody else. The mystery of it. It is a mystery. But being careful of our notions is something that cultivates opening up to that mystery for ourselves, for ourselves and how we move. It's an exciting proposition because we can step into that unknown, that mystery. The experience is okay. Whatever it is, it's okay. We can't, we can try to manage it by making different choices. We can try to influence it by how we think about it, right? To make it less, er, more palpable, you know, more able to, to stand maybe. maybe. But the experience is not necessarily gonna be going away. Right? Um, in part of my work, in the community, I really try to 
normalize the passing experience for people. So people who are leaving this world. Um, and one of the biggest things is that they, they, a lot of family members or even the person themselves, they, they don't want to experience the suffering, the pain, the anguish. They just, such an aversion to this experience. It cannot be avoided. It just can't be avoided. It's a part of our condition. Um, what I find can be more difficult is the anticipation of these things happening rather than the happening. Um, so, a number of years ago, my favorite team was winning out in Ann Arbor. They were winning. They were going to win this game against their rival, Michigan State. There was no doubt in my mind. <laughs> there was point whatever seconds left. All they had to do was kick the ball down the field. The other team would have got it, tackled them, game over, boom. I was just so happy. It was going to happen. I was certain. And what happened, well, it was not that. They flubbed the punt, the broom, Michigan State ran it in, scored a touchdown, no time on the clock, Michigan lost. My jaw, I, I couldn't, I had to pick up and, and reel in my jaw for like the next two days because, oh, uh, uh, blown uh, away, right? And it suits me right, right? Um, only to say, right, it's okay to get caught up. But let's check in. Let's check in with ourselves when we're practicing and not. Asking ourselves, what is it that is sitting here? Is it all these forms and thoughts? What is it? And find out for yourself. That's what the Buddha is asking all of us. It's not what I'm saying. That's not it. You know, all of these are um, things we talk about. They're only pointing to the moon. It's not the moon itself. And that's the great adventure. It's the beauty of this Buddhism that we we do. We get all the pointing, and it's our discovery. We walk into the mystery. No one can do it for us. So enjoy it. Enjoy the experience, all the experiences. Where that brings us, I have no idea. Thank you, Barbara.